So when a song is played in a public venue, radio, TV, film, things like that, um, the c- people who own the composition, they're all they're going to get paid. That's your ASCAP, BMIC, Sax, and all the kinds. All your PROs. Yep, MLC. What's up, what's up, what's up? Friends, family, and fans, welcome to life. This is where we listen and inspire friends in entertainment. And everywhere. Why everywhere, Johnny? Because life happens to everyone. Hence, see how we use that E? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> What's up, y'all? I am Stone Stafford. Riding with my ride or die. Johnny Vaughn. Yo. What's up? We love it. So thank y'all for listening. Mm-hmm. Thank you guys for watching. And if inspiring can, us. And inspiring us, actually. Yeah. So if you can, please go ahead and hit that like, hit that subscribe. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want to go ahead and start off with our love shout out today. And Ooh, our yeah. love, The Silent Entrepreneur mm-hmm. Podcast. Uh, on Instagram, that is AK underscore The Silent Entrepreneur. It's a podcast by Aaron Curtin, K-I-R-T-O-N. I think Aaron is actually A-R-R-A-N. So Aaron Curtin. Hope I'm saying your name right. But it's a great podcast. Is um, He shares, including his story, but he shares stories of other entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and you know how they've done their thing. And usually these stories are pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So you can tend to get a lot out of it. So go check out and support Aaron Curtin's podcast. All right, It's A-K underscore The Silent Entrepreneur. Yep. And the, the name of the podcast is The Silent Entrepreneur. Boom. All right. So today... What I want to discuss, there are some things in the music business and in your business, actually, mm-hmm. that I think people, <clears throat> they assume they know it. But what I found is that when the situation comes up or that, that, res- that goodness gracious, if I can just talk today, it's okay. you can <laughs> when the situation comes up that requires them to know it, they realize that they don't. Mm-hmm. So here at Icon, I do this whole thing called the next exec class yep. for my interns where we deep dive into music business stuff. And when I touched on such topics as like, you know, neighboring rights, for example, some of them never even heard of it mm-hmm. and didn't know what it was. And so and then and those that did, they said they heard of it, but then they didn't know what it was. Never and some heard of it and thought they knew what it was and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And I find that happens a lot. So I told I said, you know what? On this next podcast, we're going to talk about that. Okay. So that's what I want to do. I personally want to touch on three things right. that I think people think they know and they don't or that they don't know that they don't know. Okay. And then hopefully you have a couple that you can share. I'll dig something up. I well, since I said it, I'm going to start off with the whole neighboring rights. Thing. This dude has some spread that <clears> up So first. neighboring rights is, and another term for it is related rights. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is when you have copyright, you typically have a copyright for a composition. Actually, we'll touch on this too. You have a comp- copyright for the composition and copyright for the sound recording. Mm-hmm. Sound recording is typically your master. Right. Okay. So when a song is played in a public venue, radio, TV, film, things like that. Um, the c- people who own the composition, which is your songwriter, lyric, melody, and then your producer, whoever mm-hmm. did the music, underlying music, they own the composition copyright. They're all, they're going to get paid. That's your ASCAP, BMIC, Sax, and all mm-hmm. the kinds. All your PROs. Yep. And then there's a smaller one, uh, Global Music Rights. Mm-hmm. They're also one. So I always forget about that one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. They're still new. Little kid on the block, but they're doing well. So they, the people who own the composition copyright, they get paid off of that. Then you have the sound recording on the master copyright. Typically, the label, whoever owns the masters, mm-hmm. they get that. Problem is, you have performers who don't get paid at all. And United States, actually, they're the only ones that don't do that. 
They're the only ones that don't pay the performers for public performances. And these are non-interactive, by the way. And non-interactive, guys, means you don't choose the songs you want to listen to. Like, it's, so it's like a playlist, radio. You know, you don't have a choice in what's being played. That's called non-interactive. But however, other European countries, they do. They do pay their performers for that. And we can go into history on that. Basically, there was a convention back in the day in France. United States, they didn't attend that convention, but they signed off on the whole treaty thing. And that's how the United States got left out of it. But by law, United States, why are you laughing? Because that's actually how it happened. But it's just I funny know. how you wrap it up. It's like, we weren't there, so we got left out. That's how you get At the end of the day, just so you know how it happened, right? Yeah. So neighboring rights. So now there is a company called Sound Exchange. Yes. Now Sound Exchange will pay for digital public performances on the sound recording copyright. Mm -hmm. So if you are an artist, especially indie, and you own your master, okay, that means you own what you recorded, you can get paid off of that through through uh, sound recording. Mm -hmm. And I will close it with this, um, I mean, through sound exchange. I will close it with this, is that there is an act in Congress right now, a bill in Congress called the, it's either fair play for fair, fair pay, fair play, or fair play, fair pay. Is one of those two, but they're fighting for artists and performers to get paid off of um, public performance royalties uh, for those mechanic. I mean, for those sound recordings. So that is something that is in Congress for the, for you guys to get paid off of that. But as of right now, if you own your master, and you don't have to be a label to do that, if you own your master and you're an artist. You know, go ahead and register with uh, Sound Exchange, so they'll mm-hmm. make sure you get paid. Yeah. So that's one thing I know that a lot of people maybe might not be aware of. Or don't that's know what it is. That's a big one. Yeah, yeah. yeah so I think you might even say some stuff. Now that I was, especially now since everything's so independent now. Yep. That's money being left on the table. Yeah. Uh, one that I can definitely think of that happens a lot, especially with live concert stuff that we deal with, is something very similar, mm-hmm. like streaming rights or performing rights okay. of the music. A lot of people think that you can just turn on an iPod and play stuff in those venues when the system Oh right, 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 yeah. for sure. And there are very specific laws based off of how big the venue is. Like if it's a two thousand person or less venue, yes, you can legally turn a radio <laughs> like on. You can play it. Person. Yeah, two, two thousand people or less, you can turn no, a radio on, you can just play no, it. Right, the you joke just, is passed. Whatever now. music is, what was the joke? No, it's the, too late now, it's stale. It will make no sense if I instead of when I said if it's all good. Most of your jokes I like misheard that. what Do you it. said. What'd you hear? No, you just said you know two thousand a person or less venues. And I thought you said two thousand people were lesbians. Oh my god. <laughs> Because you said persons or lesbians, you can hear the sonic from my list muttering. <laughs> you sick dude! I was like, "What do lesbians have to do with this?" <laughs> the, the numbers I was like, on that. for another right? Not, we're not doing it. We're not doing this with you today. We're supposed to be talking about things that people don't know. Go for it. So a lot of you folks who are starting these, a lot of people getting into the commercial space where they're renting out their venues for performances mm-hmm. and stuff like that. They don't have full concert halls, right? Um, 2,000 people or less, yes, you can let your radio play and you don't have to actually report any of that stuff. What? And it's different. See, it's also different if you serve food. If there's food and beverages being served in that venue, then the number goes up to 3,700 people. Question. Is it a lower rate? Because I've never known a scenario where you don't have to report your playlist. That's the that that those are the cutoff numbers. Anything bigger than those numbers, playlists have to be reported two and you have thousand? To, 2,000 people or less. That's the number. So why do restaurants have to pay license fees? Um, it depends on their spacing. It depends on their spacing and it depends on what they're playing. So if it's anything other than just standard radio stuff, then you start, like if you get an actual streaming stuff, then that's a whole different 
It's a different. Oh, you setup. said terrestrial radio. Yeah, it's that's my fault. I didn't listen. Yeah, are right, you said terrestrial? You know, radio. you go to start. Yeah, got. I'm you. gonna get to the. So next when part. they're playing actual terrestrial, radio, if they're yeah. playing V103, and right, uh, and it's a okay, small okay, venue. Yeah, I'm sorry. You, you'll get I wasn't some listening. restaurants that'll do that. I wasn't listening. Okay. Um, but it, that's where we get into the next part. It actually changes. Those numbers are completely different. When you get into the streaming, I believe the number is a hundred. If a, if a hundred ears are hearing it, so that's fifty I was people. Say, that's a little more like yeah. If if it's fifty people or hundred ears or something like that are hearing it, then everything that gets played has be reported Boom. so those very specific numbers people can use to mm. skirt things with their venues but you have to be very careful of one what you're playing into because a lot of times like if i'm doing a corporate event our corporate clients have no concept of any of this stuff mm-hmm. and they'll come up to me with an ipod or an iphone and say hey this is our playlist for the week and it's five thousand people there mm. and it's like i can't play this if you haven't like have you Right. Talk to the proper performing rights organizations to license this to be able to do it. Like, no, no, no. It's the playlist we always use. And I was like, well, we're not going to do that here because that'll now, get who's saying this to you? This will be like whoever my clients are. Oh, the venue is yeah. your client. That's yeah, exactly. okay. I was going to say. I was like, okay. So, That's and right. I'm, I'm not going to put any names out there for respect that I'm saying because I, I sign NDAs with all of these people mm-hmm. when we do their events. But um, I've had them insist on me playing a Spotify playlist. I'm like, I, yeah. I you got way too many people here. But to even if that. they did, even if you did play it, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be held liable. And you? that's the other thing that people don't know. Let's say I'm if I am the A one on the in, on this situation, and I'm the one who pushes play. Mm-hmm. I am the one who's liable for it happening. You don't have anything in your agreement that would hold you that would indemnify. Oh, I you always that? do. Yeah, I'm, I'm saying in general, most people don't know that. Though. Okay, and which is why we always before we you, well, you're independent. Group, that's right. You're, it's not you work for a company, exactly. so you have to make sure you're covering your exactly. own. Exactly. Got you. Okay. Um, but I do. I have a section of my agreement where we sit down and we go through. Hey, what music do y'all want to use? When do y'all want to use it? In what capacity you want to use it? How much of it do you want to use? Mm-hmm. Because you also get into the if you play longer than 30 seconds you get into having to pay more for it than if you cut it off at 29 so it's very similar to how sync licensing it's it's almost exactly how sync sync licensing licensing, yep but a lot of people don't know that that applies to concert venues restaurants and public spaces being like convention space at hotels they completely overlook that gotcha nice yeah nice to know what's number two for you learn it uh number two for me we're going to go with um performers all right. If you're performing your own songs live, you should register your playlist with your PRO, mm. your performance rights organization, ASCAP, BMI, CSEC. That's money that you can leave, leave on the table. Don't forget, they play, they pay you whenever your music is played or performed in a public venue. Mm-hmm. Now, given your rule, I wonder, even though it, if you're performing your own music, mm-hmm. If that venue has a hundred ears or less, would they pay the? Would performer? it actually pay the performer out of that too? I, I need to look into that. That's look actually into that. a good question. Yeah. I'll look into it. Y'all look into it too. Yeah, yeah. But just so for the sake of argument, let's assume the venue is a hundred years or more, mm-hmm. right? You should register your playlist with your PRO because your PRO will pay you performance royalties on you performing your own stuff. Yeah, a lot of people don't do that, and if you're performing all the time, mm-hmm. you're leaving money on the table. Yep. So oh, that's my number two. Yeah, number two for me is. Um, I, How about I number three for all? That. Why don't we be a team? Okay. In which case, that would have been my number. That would have been number, that yeah. number three. So, you, so that puts us so at you're we're number four. four. <laughs> number four. Um, mine would be intellectual property assignments. And if we're not, you always hear about IP. It, it has a mm-hmm. lot to do with what the copyrights are. In the radio world, it's really, really important to negotiate 
what intellectual property you keep. The way intellectual intellectual property assignments generally happen Mm -hmm. is that if you're hired by a company or you're an employee, anything you create, conceptualize, or develop, the ownership is assigned to the company. Right. Or if they hire you or commission you specifically for that, they they have ownership. Mm-hmm. So it's important to sit down and, and negotiate before you get into creating anything. Anything that I do in my personal time, anything yeah. that I, I conceptualize outside of the scope of what my actual job is, I own the IP of that. And some companies are going to probably fight you over that. Because they want ownership of as much stuff as they can. IP is really, really big in corporate. There are people out there that buy copyrights and, and buy intellectual property just to own it, to sit on it mm. in case anything ever comes up. Um, CBS, now Odyssey, owns so much stuff that I created over the years for mm. the multiple shows that I worked on over across the, the eight years that I was with them because I didn't negotiate that part right. We created a bunch. Like there's one that I'm, I will forever be mad at. During the Super Bowl, which you can never say on the air, we wanted to be able to promote and and do a partnership with a drink company. Mm-hmm. So I created the six pack of picks, and what we okay. did each pick for winner during that playoff had a sponsor, a drink sponsor. Me not thinking about it, this thing hits off. CBS takes it. They use it all over. I haven't gotten a single dime off of it Mm. ever because I didn't negotiate owning the creation of that particular um, feature. Right. So knowing who owns your IP when you create it, where it gets assigned originally, and negotiating you being able to maintain ownership of whatever those small variances is of where you create it, what time of day you created it, the scope of in which you created it uh, is very, very important. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah. That means you need to dot your I's and cross your T's mm-hmm. and know where your freaking paperwork is. Yes. <laughs> all of it. Uh, all right, right so number five. Number five for me, we will do... Okay, so a lot of people know you can monetize on YouTube, mm-hmm. right? But most of the time when you talk to people about monetizing on YouTube, they're thinking streaming, getting paid per view, right? But what they don't know is, all right, so let's go to the word sync because we're going to talk about a sync license. Um, Sync is just short for synchronization. It's when the audio is synchronized to a visual medium, okay? YouTube is just that, is videos. So YouTube actually has a thing called micro sync licensing. So a lot of people, and it's usually in the terms and conditions, you know, when you uh, that nobody ever reads, but, yeah. but you know, no one ever reads. So <laughs> instead of just focusing on getting paid per stream or per view, mm-hmm. which they have that pay structure, there's also a micro sync licensing pay structure. And, and on that, you typically would get, you know, some kind of a fee for your license and a royalty rate. Now, what, are, the, are the two connected or are they separate completely? That now, I don't know. To my knowledge, I think they're separate okay. because you can monetize and just get paid off of your views. Okay. But the reason, and you'll know if you did the microsync deal because it's a, it's a deal in on itself, and okay. I believe there's actually a fee that they pay. Right. And it's something set, and it's not all that great, it's not all that high, but it is a separate fee that you get. And I, I even think it might be a separate rate. I'm not sure. Okay. Look into that. And typically, guys, look, I don't like to get on here unless I know A to Z what I'm talking about, but every day is a learning thing. We're all learning. And mm-hmm. this, this is something that I'm in the process of really becoming well-versed on. So, but some of you guys never even heard of a micro sync license from YouTube. I know that because I just talked to a bunch of people who didn't. Mm-hmm. So that's something for you now just to look into uh, once your views get to a certain level, cause they don't even begin to pay out until you hit a certain number yeah. of views. So and that's I think something you gotta maintain you keep a certain level out. for a certain amount of time right. too before. Actually yeah. So it. just know what the, the things are and just keep an eye out for that. And I'll be educating myself on that as well. Yeah. 
the whole thing did we just say educate yourself again i want to get to that now is that what we, <laughs> where, where do you tell people to go educate yourself on this stuff <laughs> uh google literally google, <laughs> like google. <laughs> seriously literally google youtube microsync license i will say this on the intellectual property rights piece for the most part, it's standard nationwide, but there are certain locales where it's different. And okay. also, it can be different in certain industries. Like mm-hmm. in Hollywood, if you're doing TV, it works a little bit differently. Like a studio will own anything and everything that you do while you're contracted to that studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's say you work outside of the Hollywood and you're doing some minor stuff. Let's say New York theatrical stuff or you're doing commercial stuff. That ownership may be different. So understand what the state laws as well. Boom. Yeah. You got another one? I have one more. I, I ain't got no more. Five is a nice round, even number. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so I got one more that I want to share. And again, this came up in a real life scenario. So okay. I figure if a couple of people don't know, a bunch of people don't know. A common uh, question is who owns the master? Mm-hmm. All right. You're not, say you're not assigned to a label because most people automatically assume that the label owns the master. Now, <laughs> I would say a little, a little glitch in that as well. If you sign to most labels, it will be in their deal that they own the master. The person who owns the master is the person who paid to get the master done. Now, that can be a bunch of different scenarios. So let's chop a couple of them down really quickly. People automatically assume that the label owns it mm-hmm. because the assumption is that the label paid for the session to get done. Mm-hmm. But there are some people, especially on the indie label side, where you'll sign with an indie label, but you end up paying for a lot of crap. Now, let's say the label, you know, pays for your studio time for 10 records. Well, the label's going to own those masters. Yes. Let's say for this album, you decide you want to go in and do two more records and you're out of budget. So therefore, you come out of pocket Mm -hmm. and you pay for those two records to get done. (sighs) Technically, and I use the word technically, you should own those masters. Technically. However, chances are. In your agreement, anything you record under the timeline of that agreement, Mm -hmm. the label owns the master, whether they paid for it or not, more than likely. Okay. So you want to keep an eye on that. The general rule of thumb is if you pay for that master to get done, you own the master. I don't care if you wrote the song. If you didn't pay for that studio time, pay the engineer, pay for that crap to get done, you don't own the master. You own the copyright. Mm -hmm. You own the composition. But you don't own the master, the actual sound recording. This is one thing that I actually, I never did a major label deal, but I'm going to ask a question based off of, because we always talk about the advance, which is something I do understand. Mm. If the studio session is paid for out of the advance, when the advance becomes your money, even though it's a loan, mm. does that still count as the label paying for that session? Well, it does. Uh, okay. One, because the loan, one, you got to pay it back, right? Sure. But what if you flop and you never end up paying that money back? Mm. The studio's out that money, okay? Mm-hmm. So, and then two, because the studio knows it's fronting all that kind of stuff, again, in that agreement, it's going to say anything you record mm-hmm. under the lifetime of that that agreement, the studio owns that master. Yeah. I mean, their label owns that master, period. So that's why I gave the first example that gotcha. I did. Okay. Um, now, this is where sometimes it can get foggy. Because a lot of people think just because I created a song, I own the master. That's not true. This is why it's important that you guys understand the difference between a sound recording, aka master, and a composition. Okay? If you created it, That's the composition. You own it. If you paid for it to be created, that's the sound recording master. You own that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's say you own a studio. People come in. They record this song. You comp them the studio time. 
So they don't pay studio time. It's your boy, it's family, you helping out, whatever. And these are the things that fog in the business side. Mm-hmm. You comp them the studio time. Who paid for the studio time for that to get done? You did. The owner of Whoever the owned the studio. Yeah. Because they didn't come out of pocket. So what do they call in kind, mm-hmm. right? You paid for it in kind. Yeah. So you own that master. Let's say the engineer did you a solid. So the engineer did, you know, did it for free, blah, blah, blah. Who owns the master now? <laughs> the studio owner and the, and the engineer. Because both of y'all paid for that master to get created yeah. in kind. Ooh. So in other words, who's responsible for having for being for the cause of that recording getting done owns the master. So I always say, I don't care what kind of deal you're doing with somebody, if you pay them in Skittles. <laughs> yeah. The moment someone paid you, make sure there's you're an, out of the equation. Make sure moment. there's an exchange of something. Something. Yeah. The moment someone pays you to get that recording done, yeah. you're out of the picture mm-hmm. where ownership's concerned because you've been paid. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's just like a, as a musician, when you go into a session, right? If someone pays you for that session, all right, you've been compensated. Mm-hmm. All right. But that generally you, falls under the work for hire stuff anyway. That's what I'm saying, work so, for hire. Yeah. But if you you're coming up with riffs and everything and it goes in that song and they didn't pay you, you be now become a writer. Mm-hmm. So the moment money exchanges hands, it changes your relationship to that sound recording or to that copyright. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people don't know that. And those little funky scenarios like that, like I, you know, I just spotted in the studio time, blah, blah, blah. Dude, you, that's your master. You yep. own that master. Mm-hmm. But Last, not to beat a dead horse, but people get it all confused. Just because you own the master does not mean you own the composition. Right. Those things are two totally different. So these are the common things that I think people don't know that they don't know or they yeah. thought they knew and they actually didn't. Yep. Right. Hey, that's what we do here at lifeonpodcast.com. We crack the door for you. So you yeah, can, walk so you can listen and watch as much as you want. Just go there. Every, you know, the last 10 episodes are on there. So you can binge if you want. Yep. And then you can find everything else on all the other streaming platforms, including YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, help us to get to that 1 million subscribers this year in 2023, please. So like, subscribe, turn your notifications on. And probably the best thing you do is tell friend like literally tell a friend like share a link with somebody like yo you need to check this out mm-hmm. we would love you for it uh we already did our shout out so yeah. that's all i got for you anything that's you want to find with me i am at stonestafford.com uh, all my links and socials are on there just on yvonne j-u-s-t-j-o-n-y-v-a there it is i'm gonna try to talk without doing this like all the time <laughs> we'll, we'll be working on that but we appreciate y'all we love y'all hope you learned something today uh come in and tune in next week we out peace Holla.